welcome to Leadership from the Cross with Pastor Scott Tom. This broadcast is devoted to taking your ministry and life to the next level. No matter what the level you are at, let us help advance your leadership skills. Leadership from the Cross is a ministry of Cross Christian Fellowship in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And now, Pastor Scott Tom. Well, welcome into Leadership from the Cross. Today, I'd like to talk about improving before expanding or getting better before you get bigger. There's a principle that's taught to us after Jesus did this incredible study, Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, he talks about the house established on the rock or the house established on the sand or the beach. And he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. He's talking about a principle. He's actually talking about what he says, right, his his teaching. So it's talking about faith and then obedience or your belief and the implementation of that belief. And if you do that, then you're, you're building on a structure. You're building on something solid. You're building on something that's unshakable. And that's it's a principle, obviously, for life and for salvation, right? But it's a principle for ministry as well. This house built on a rock, setting a foundation for your ministry, for your business, for your family, whatever you're doing, it, it's a process, and it doesn't happen overnight. I'm sorry, it takes a lot of hard work. A house just doesn't happen overnight. The people who build a house on sand want it to happen fast, and so they're not prepping the area. They're not digging down or bringing in the rock. They're not stabilizing things. And so they just want the structure up. And if you're trying to plant a church or you're trying to work your ministry and build it, you just can't build it overnight. It takes time. And it doesn't happen by accident. You have to be intentional. It isn't like, shazam, there's the house, you know, and it's built. It doesn't happen just because we wish for it. And a lot of times, you know, I've been there. I just, man, I wish it would just happen. This is a lot of hard work. But if you're intentional and you build, each part of it will build itself out as you go and will be strong. And you won't have to rebuild very much. Now, you're going to say, well, if I get a team and I get more people and they're involved, it's going to happen better. Only if you follow the first two things we said, a lot of hard work and intentional. And if you have a blueprint, everybody can follow. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, bringing everybody together, building the ministry out, and instead of just thinking, I want it up, or I want it big, or I want this rocking and rolling, improve it before it expands. Build it better before you try to just build it bigger. Bigger isn't always better. So this is something that when you launch, and you're launching with a vision, that vision has to be sustainable. It has to be built into the foundation and into the infrastructure. And it just takes time. Jesus took his time on earth. He could have had huge, huge crowds. He had 
mega crowds, right? Up to 12, 15,000 people at a time feeding 5,000 plus men, women, and children, you know, men, women, and children. So that he had these large crowds, but he could have drawn even bigger crowds and he could have planted the church himself. He laid foundation in his teaching, but he built into his disciples for three and a half years. He was building a foundation, building a foundation. He was laying the groundwork. He was intentional about it. Didn't happen overnight. He spent hours and hours and hours and hours with these guys. Months on end, right? Years on end. And when we planted, we planted Cross Christian Fellowship, I I had a plan. I put out like a business plan. Here's what I wanted to do. Here's what home fellowships would look like. Here's what baptisms would look like. Here's our training and what that would look like. Now, a lot of that didn't happen the way I thought or even in a timeline I thought, but a lot of it did. And it was adaptable so that I could change it as we went, but it was intentional. Now, when we were a new church and planted just with five people, it took three and a half years just to get stable. We were first started in a borrowed venue, a Methodist church that allowed us to be there in the evenings on Sunday. Then we moved to a rented building, and it was, it was fairly small. It was when you opened the door, you were in the sanctuary. And then you had a very tiny hallway, and it led to two small classrooms, 10 by 10, and then and then two small restrooms. And that was it. But we grew. We grew very well to where we we had to have two services, and then we moved from there into a theater and basically lost 60% of our church. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Then we moved to a hotel conference center, began to grow again a little bit, and then into into another building where we had more of a long-term lease and we could have uh, midweek studies and other events going on and training. And And from that point on, so that's three and a half years into our growth. And then once we moved in there, I took another year and a half. I took five guys and I began to train them for a year and a half. And once I had that and I was confident, had confident to launch our Bible college, I was part of a a Bible college and teaching back in California with the mega church. And so we launched our Bible college. A part of that Bible college was called the Shepherd School. I would take 20 to 40 men at a time for two years, and I would mentor them. Though Those original five guys helped me. A couple uh, dropped off or whatever, but I ended up with three that stayed, and those three helped me through the school. And each after each school year, I would get another person or two that would stay and help, and it just continued to grow. Now, the first five years was just all getting basic foundation laying and building up people, being very intentional about things, communicating the vision, laying the blueprint. Then the next five years, once we started our shepherd school, things exploded. We could raise up leaders and have this ministry happen that we just not could not have had any other way. So we planted our one church in the first five years. In the next five years, we planted seven churches. Now, two of those churches, the pastors are not in those churches anymore. One was picked up by another church. Another one got picked up by a nationwide ministry, and he flies to different places now and gives sermons and studies and basically leading people to the Lord, evangelism outreach, and that's going great. And then we raised up 14 pastors, uh, those seven pastors, and fourteen, uh, seven others that are on uh, different church staffs not our own. I'm counting people who are outside of that. And when now we get churches calling us asking for pastors. 
one church that we planted sent out their first church. So now we have a grand church or a grandchild church, right? And this is just in the five years because we laid the foundation. Our church doubled in size during this five years. Now, we're still basically a small church because at different times, when we first sent out our churches, we sent out 25% of our congregation at that time. So we've sent out many times. So you could kind of think of it as we grew and then kind of split in a good way and sent out people. Now, not each time did a bunch of people want to go with that pastor or group because some have moved away farther than just the local area, but we send out quite a bit. We also are now taking our college that has been just so instrumental, the shepherd school idea that is really revolutionary, and we're going to put it online. And right now we're doing that. If you're listening to this podcast months later, it's probably already online. Laying that foundation, we saw explosive growth at the latter part of it that we couldn't have sustained or built or even done had we not laid that foundation. Now, 10 years is a long time because we went three and a half years and another year and a half building this and then five years. So that's and not everybody's going to take that kind of time. And that's twice as long as what I figured. I first figured my goal was in five years to get a lot of these things accomplished, and it just took longer. But I'm glad that we took our time because the fruit of that and the foundation is tremendous. So remember, it it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. That times you're going to sprint, for the most part, it's a marathon. This is something that you've got to be intentional about. And don't get discouraged because you're going to get discouraged. I got discouraged. Man, what are we doing? It feels like I'm banging my head against the wall. This is taking forever. Am I really making the needle move? It didn't seem like anything was moving. We weren't growing as fast as I wanted. We were growing. Every year we grew, except for the one year we went to the theater. That Every year we grew. Our finances grew. People were growing. But it just was not very measurable in my mind or eyes, because I thought it should go faster, we should see bigger things happening than what were going on, but we were laying the foundation. When you put the foundation, you're not really seeing the structure, but inside that foundation is all the plumbing, electrical, and all the other stuff that they're doing. In some places, not electrical, but in most cases, yes, the plumbing, and man, nothing happens if you don't get that plumbing right. Just think if you build a house, but you didn't have the plumbing in it. That that's not going to be a very livable house, is it? So it's a marathon. But your ministry, no matter what it is, children's ministry, music ministry, you're helping as an assistant in a ministry, or even in business, it needs a foundation, it needs an infrastructure. What is the foundation then? The foundation is people. You build any ministry or any business or any family on people. You build people more than than building, than the building, more than the branding, more than the bylaws. People are your most valuable asset. Now, those things aren't bad. We will talk about building. We will talk about branding. We will, we, we will talk about bylaws. But people are your most valuable asset. You invest in them. Invest, invest, invest. Because here's the thing. If you're investing in people and they realize that you really are investing in them, that you are putting them first, that you do love them, they will trust you. They will get behind your vision. They will get behind what you're wanting to do. 
But if you become a taskmaster and say, this is what we're going to do, and you just crack the whip, and why isn't this getting done, then there isn't the trust factor. They're just doing it unto God, which isn't bad, right? But it should be that we're working compatico, we're working together, we're working as a team. And then what will happen is they'll turn around and bless you. Because if you've built them up and you've invested in their life, and this is something that doesn't go away, they will want to bless you. They will want to see your vision and your calling happen. They get excited about it. I can't believe the guys that I've poured my time and energy into ask me, can I come back? Can I help you? What can we do to mentor other people or walk alongside of you? Want to see these churches planted? And they're saying, I just want to be around this. I just am excited to see this. And whatever I can do, I want to see it happen. It's exciting, but it takes time. And you truly have to invest, not not just a few moments, not just a few hours, but long-term investing, which means training, counseling, listening, doing whatever you can to to bolster them and make them pillars in the house of God. That's the foundation, people. What's the infrastructure? This is building a system of improvement. The foundation is building people. The infrastructure is building a system of improvement. How do you do that? Well, first you build people. Wait, wait. Didn't you just say that? Yeah, okay. I'm saying it again in such a way to get your attention because this is super, super important. Build people to build people. What? What Disciple, train people to train other people. Disciple, disciple makers. Because if you just build people and it stops there, those people don't build other people. The foundation then has cracks in it. It's only as strong as far as your support staff can build it out. So train everybody to build other people. When you do that, then you've got a system of improvement because that person is improving as they're training someone else because they're having to evaluate. Anytime you teach or train, you're learning far more than what you're giving out. So it builds up those people in the process, and then it builds up the receivers or the recipients of that information and training. So build a system of improvement that that person is improving themselves, and they're improving other people around them all the time. Secondly, let people innovate and improve the ministry. Let people innovate and improve the ministry. That means that you let people go a little bit. Don't micromanage. Let them come up with ideas. Let them even fail at times. And then let them look and see see ways that they can improve. Let the vision have enough flexibility to improve it. This could be something where if you're building a house and you have cabinets and you say, I want the cabinets made exactly this way. Well, that's good, but what if you have a master carpenter and he says, you know, I've done this and I've got some I've got some suggestions for you. If we built the cabinet the way you're suggesting, it's actually gonna hit the refrigerator next to it when it opens. And you can actually, instead of opening from from right to left, you can have a cabinet door where it opens up and locks at the top. And you can actually get in there and store dishes and pull them out. And this is gonna work much better. And you're like, huh. Okay, that's good. So let them go. When you build a system of improvement, allow it to improve itself by improving the people. Allow it to be improved by certain people having innovative ideas or trying something new. So always look at your infrastructure. Look at it from inside and look at it from outside. Inside, you go and you look and you go, if something's not working right, or even if it is working right, 
you look at it and you say, okay, what is it lacking? What, how could we make this better? It's been working good, but how do we make it better? Well, it's lacking in authority. Maybe there's a bottleneck in getting approval on things and say, okay, look, you've done this long enough. You no longer have to come to us to get every single piece of art approved. And so the artwork for that book or the artwork for those business cards, the artwork for that outreach, those, we're going to let you handle those. Run it by us, but keep us in the loop, but run with it. We trust you. Or maybe they just need encouragement. They've been working hard. They're seeing results, but they're just discouraged because they're not getting the attaboy. They're not getting patted on the back. And sometimes you just need to step up and go, well done. Jesus does it for us. We don't do it just for ego, but people are worth it. And Jesus commends us in heaven, doesn't he? Also, maybe training. Maybe they need more specified training. And they're saying, look, we can do this, but you can't train us on you know, how to run the soundboard, Pastor. You, you're very good at doctrine, these other things, maybe even computers, but you don't know sound. And we need specific training on the soundboard. We're not doing the old audio thing anymore. We're, we're now into the digital world. And so we've got to marry these things together. We need really expert training. So then you've got to get them online or get them in front of somebody or invite somebody in, get them that training. Maybe they need something else, more room at the facility. Maybe they need supplies. But you're always looking at the infrastructure saying, how can we strengthen this, right? How can we withstand the storms? How can we make this better? You look outside. In other words, come into the ministry with fresh eyes, as if you were looking at it from the first time. Uh, You want to compare to other ministries for good ideas, another way of doing things. You also want to look at your your ministry. You want to look at your structure. You want to look at things going on or using resources that are 20 or 30 years old. Is the area dirty? You know, is it accessible to people? Do you need better stairs? Do you need a ramp? Do you need better signage? They don't even know it's there. Is it inviting or is it dark? Sometimes just adding lights makes it just that much more open and people get excited. Are the people excited? Or are they talking to, you know, their buddies and friends and ignoring new attendees? I made this mistake moving from the building we're at to the theater. I thought, man, we're busting at the seams. We go to the theater. We got all the room in the world. The theater was just dark. It's always dark. When we we added lights, but it was still just, just too dark. So, and it's depressing. In the hallways was a little bit better, but in the hallways we had some other problems because there was a signage there in the hallway, not in a good way, but when the movies would come out, you know, and some of the movies that came out had signage that wasn't very godly. And normally we could put our containing units, our units we made for, for traveling with the church, we could roll those in front of it and block it, but they put in these even larger posters and areas where we couldn't cover everything and it couldn't cover it from the outside. It could only cover it from the inside of the building. And so there were moms, you know, who were complaining that they don't want my child to see that. And it's totally understandable. We blew it. We blew it. So we tried to get out of there as fast as we could. But when you're looking at ministries and you're looking at other ministries and you're comparing, make sure that you're not overcritical because you're going to see the faults in other ministries. And you're going to see other things. 
you're just looking at how can we improve? How can we do better? Galatians 6, 3-4 says, If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. So take the time to examine your own work, your own ministry or system, and be patient because it's a process. It's not going to be perfect out of the gate. It may take months, even years to get the process right, and you should always be reevaluating it. Secondly, if you improve or get better, you can do that by offering value. When you offer value to people and to the community, you're always going to expand and get better. So if you're just expanding, if you just have a mindset, we want to sell more if you're a business, we want to, we want to just get more souls in here, that's fine. But if people are treated like cattle and they're brought in because you're offering Nintendo system to the kids who can bring the most people in and the people don't realize this and that kid wins a Nintendo system and there's other kids that are going, I thought you were my friend. I thought you were bringing me here because you're my friend. Now I know you're just doing it because you wanted numbers, because you wanted to win this, you had a goal, or you wanted to win this uh, gaming system. So it's about people and offering value. And so you've got to cast that vision over and over, and really you got to clarify the vision. To clarify the vision, you've got to share it purposefully and routinely. So you're building that this house, you're building the foundation, This foundation is what? The principles, obeying Jesus, and then doing it. Well, if you're not clarifying the principles of your ministry, of your house, of your church, the house of God, if you're not clarifying that purposefully and routinely, you're not going to build a solid house. So purposefully means with purpose, with direction. If you can't articulate the direction, your ministry will always wander. And it'll, it'll go from this thing to that thing. It'll be like the driftwood being tossed to and fro upon the sea. So you've got to tell them, here's the purpose. Tell them how it benefits the kingdom of God, how it benefits other people, and how it benefits them as the leaders in the ministry. Regularly or habitually or routinely cast the vision until you're almost tired of it. Well, people will get tired. Say it in different ways. If you don't, here's what happens. People lose momentum. They lose focus because we get distracted. And just part of it is entropy, just the world coming in, the systems breaking down, the the vision getting lost and all the other things happening. It's the tyranny of the urgent. It's putting out daily fires. And so I'm just existing, but I'm really not working on the vision because I'm just trying to get this fire put out and that fire put out, and I'm not really implementing these things. And so it takes time to pull people back in, and it takes multiple times to cast the vision, is not everybody's going to hear it the first time, not everybody's going to get it the first time, and even when they get it, not everybody's going to buy in the first time. Most of the time, it's going to take a half a dozen times just to cast the vision where people go, ah, I'm starting to see it now. And then maybe another half a dozen times where people are like, okay, I hear it, I see it, I I get it, I'm buying into this. I really want to do this. I want to see this happen. And then maybe another you know, half a dozen times where they're like, oh, I finally see how I can help. What's my part? What's my role? 
And so it just takes time. Share the process and the victories, though, when you're doing that, because not only does it clarify what's going on, it also stimulates the vision. It stimulates the vision again and again in people who have bought in and then kind of, you know, lost steam in it. Then share your expectations, share your goals and practical steps for the people and ministries and business or whatever it is. Remember, if you can't write it down or if you can't verbalize it, then it won't happen because it's only in your mind. It's a vision in your mind. It's a desire in your mind. It's a feeling in your heart, but it's not going to communicate. It's not going to go across the table there to the other person. So if you're not doing this on a regular basis and you're not sharing your expectations and the goals and practical steps of how to do this, they're not really going off what you really want because they don't know what you really want. So they're going to they're gonna do what they think is best. Or they're going to guess at what you want them to do, maybe not what they think is best, but what they think you want them to do, and they're not accomplishing what you're doing. And then here's the frustrating part, and this happens to me. And every time I realize where I failed, if I started getting mad and I'm going, why aren't they doing what I want them to do? Why aren't we accomplishing this goal? Why are they doing that over there when I really want them to do this over here? And I have to sit back and go, well, Scott, did you tell them? Did you give them step by step? Did you show them what you really wanted to happen? Or are you thinking that you told them? That because you just think of it, and this is how you would do it, you think everybody's going to do it that way, and everybody's going to want to have that goal or that procedure, and you haven't communicated it, then there's no justifiable reason why you should be angry or frustrated because you haven't told them. So you have to sit down and then lay out the expectations, the goals, the practical steps for people and and for the ministry at a whole. Then stay consistent. If you lay out those steps, don't change them often. If you're always changing them, then you're right back to having people just guess what you want, or you will stymie them, and they will sit there until you micromanage them. They will sit there until you tell them what you what needs to be done, because every time they start to do something, you go, no, 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 we're, well, that's, that's what we did a week ago. Now we're doing this. And they're going to be like, okay, well, I want to get on board with you, but it seems like you don't really know what you want or somebody else is always interjecting something and you jump at it. And so we start and stop, start and stop, and there's a lot of time wasted. And nothing will get done that way. To overcome that, here's what you do. Meet regularly for feedback and problem solving. You are clarifying the vision and giving them steps and goals, right? Now you want to evaluate that vision. Evaluate what you are clarifying. Psalm 26.2 says, Let, says, examine me, O Lord. Improve me. Try my mind and my heart. You have to meet to examine the process or lack of it. It isn't good enough to just say, okay, we put this procedure in place. We've got to come back and say, is it working well? Are there things we didn't think of? Are we failing because we were lacking a key element? And you may have somebody who you're like, okay, I gave the general understanding, go for it. And they can do pretty good. Or they have experience and and you just trust them to run it. But experience doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to go well. You could say, well, they should know how to do it. Or I've taught them enough times, they should know how to do this by now. 
Well, just because they've heard it doesn't mean that they can accomplish it. And just because they've, they've done it once before doesn't mean that everything will come out perfect. Howard Hendricks says that experience doesn't make you better. Only evaluated experience makes you better. Experience alone doesn't mean that you're going to be good at something. You can experience something over and over and fail at it or experience something over and over and not learn key elements of success or shortcuts or how to be more efficient at something, more effective. Only evaluated experience can make you better. Then by bringing them together, by doing this evaluation, you basically are forming a mastermind group. And a mastermind group will basically be a team of people who come together with different, maybe even different vocations or abilities, sometimes of the, in the same network, sometimes outside of that network, who put their minds together and that makes problem solving accelerate like 10 times faster. Because what you may not know, the other person does. The person that they know, you may not know who has the, the solution to this issue. And this is something that when you meet and you pull this together, it just accelerates the process. Then make sure when you do that, that you give the proper approval and the proper authority or the proper resources for those people to move forward. If you don't do that and the financing is lacking or you know, the authority is lacking there, then it'll slow the whole process down or even bring it to a screeching halt. So these are the basic principles. I know I threw a lot in there, but the, that's what's so great about podcasting. You can, you can favor this, you know, this is, uh, you know, a favorite one or something that, you know, I want to re-listen to this or like on YouTube, you can set it for, you know, watching later. Most of your podcast applications, whatever you're using this on, has some way where you can make this a favorite or something that you can listen to again later. And then you just take notes and you implement this and go over and over again until you learn it. Talked about that right in the very first podcast. But these are the foundational principles. Foundational principles. Jesus said, if whoever hears my words and then does them. So when you cast the vision and get the people to do it, say the words and then show them how. Say the words and then motivate them. So here's the vision. Here's how we're going to accomplish that vision. And then keep going over that in the different ways, by clarifying, by evaluation and other stuff. And then the storms coming into your ministry won't wreck your ministry. It's going to be a solid ministry. You have backbiting or gossip or other things coming into the ministry, or even lack of funds or other things. Any storm, anything coming in will not wreck that ministry. It will be very resilient. It'll stand up against the enemy, against spiritual warfare, against so many different things because you've laid the foundation, a proper foundation. It just takes time. Be patient. I know, I know this is a lot of work, but oh man, it is so worth it because the thing runs and runs and runs and it becomes impossible for the enemy to take down, near impossible for the enemy to destroy. All right. Well, again, I just thank you so much for listening to these podcasts. I pray that you are blessed by them, that they're helping you get your life, your ministry, maybe even your business, because these principles that are kingdom principles 
go right over into a business application. I pray that this is totally blessing you and allowing you to take your hopes and dreams and desires to the next level, because that's really what this is all about, helping one another and blessing one another. I'd like to talk to you about a resource about knowing God's will. I put together this resource years ago, and it's how I use the scripture to use as a checkbox, as a red light, green light situation of knowing if I'm in God's will or not, or to move forward to see if I'm in God's will. And it's from James 3, and we put together a resource that's just like a checklist that gives you an explanation to help you know if you're in God's will or not. And you can get this simply by texting the word knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G, to the number 33444. So you open up a new text, and the recipient's number is 33444. And the word you're going to text is knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G. That's it. You hit send. In a moment, you're going to get a response asking for your email address. And then you can fill that out. In a moment later, you're going to get this resource that you can download from your email. So from your phone or from your computer at home and then print it or just use it over and over as a way to discern God's will. Best way that I know of knowing God's will. All right. God bless. And you're You have been listening to Leadership from the Cross with Pastor Scott Tom of Cross Christian Fellowship in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Check out Pastor Scott's ministry training school and his other radio show, No Other Doctrine, by visiting our website at crossfellowship.org. That's crossfellowship.org. Also, you can visit our Facebook page at Facebook forward slash Leadership from the Cross.